Welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel is a nonprofit dedicated to the idea that every part of the Bible, Old Testament and New, is about Jesus. And this podcast is our experiment to publicly test that belief. Every episode, hosts David Bowden and Seth Stewart work through a biblical text to see how it helps us see and savor Jesus. Let's jump in. Well, welcome everyone to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Seth, how are you feeling today? I'm feeling ready. You're feeling ready for the book of Judges. Excited for the book of Judges. I mean, excited is a strong word. <laughs> uh, but it is a word. <laughs> what 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 are what are the conceptions? Like the like in as far as a normal Christian can just have a conception of the book of Judges in their head. What do you think it is that people I, are coming to this with? I almost like post this on Instagram. I was like, what do you think when you come to the book of Judges? Oh, you almost did, asked that question. I, I did like an Instagram poll. Um, I think what most people think about when they come to the book of Judges is, oh, that's a story about Samson and Gideon and Ehud. And those were great stories when I read, read them as a kid. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of about, might be as far as it goes for a lot of people. And then I think for a lot of other people, and maybe those same people, they lit, but it's a little more complicated and it gets kind of dark at the end. Yeah. And that's probably, I don't I don't know, but that's my guess. Most people coming in is like, oh, these are the cool, this is where the cool stories were, where I heard as a kid. And it also gets really weird with the concubine. I don't know what that's about, but it's it's dark. Yeah, I think I think it's probably one of the two. It's like you you either have people who are like, oh yeah, Samson, Deborah, you know, if you know these people, like mm-hmm. JL, you know, all these people. Uh, those are like action packed stories. I think I remember telling you like, uh, if you were just reading through the Bible, this is the most exciting book so far. Yes, you know, <laughs> book seven. <laughs> uh, but then there's probably I think other people are probably like, oh, that's a dark book. You yeah. know, like. And I also think there's like another category of people who come to it and they were like reading the Bible with their kids. Oh, and they're like, hey, and they're we're like, skipping this one. <laughs> yeah, Let's go to Ruth. I remember a mom who was like, hey, Seth, like I was just reading to my kids the Bible. Like, oh, that's great. It's like, yeah, it was Judges 19. And I was like, okay. Oh. <laughs> so that's when, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Which if you don't know, it's where a whole town demands to rape a man and then rapes his wife instead. And then... And, and then, then her and then her and husband chops her up into little pieces. Yes, that's so that's what she read to her children. And she couldn't stop when she started because that would be worse than not finishing. <laughs> so anyway. Judges. That's the book of judges. Uh and that's the episode. There you go. There you go. <laughs> uh okay. So what what should then, as we approach this book, what should we have in our mind as we approach the book of judges, like canonically? Like Canonically. Okay. Yeah. So where are we in the story? Joshua goes into the promised land. Yes. Um, and he begins to root out all of the Canaanite civilizations that were built around the worship to the Canaanite gods. Mm-hmm. And those religions were based around certain sexually immoral practices and the sacrifice of children. Yes. Those are things that are highlighted in the law. In Leviticus 18 yep. and Deuteronomy 26, I think. think. Yeah. Um, and God said, don't be like them in your own laws. Mm-hmm. And then when you go into that land, remove those practices, remove those shrines, remove those temples from the, your, the land and establish the, the, the trust in Yahweh as, right. the only, as the only faith. Yeah, in the same way that the, you know, the tabernacle you read about in Leviticus, 
you would clean it up and it would be purified, Mm -hmm. you know, and it would be holy. God was having Israel go in and make the land holy to purify it from really wicked things that we would still call wicked, like mostly most people would call wicked today. Yes. Especially like child sacrifice. Yeah. Okay. So Israel's going into this land. Uh, We read about this in Joshua. They're clearing it out. Through the book of Joshua, Joshua is essentially undefeated. In Uh every single battle he does, the Lord is fighting on his side Mm -hmm. or with him against the enemies. The enemies are being routed. Faith in Yahweh is being established as the one true uh, faith of the land. Mm -hmm. And like the Garden of Eden looks like it's being planted. Right. We even have like Canaanites renouncing their former religion and naming Yahweh as God of heaven and earth in Rahab. That's exactly right. So that's what's happening in the book of Joshua. 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 It's probably important to note that Joshua was, like Moses, was filled with the Spirit of God Mm -hmm. and who was empowered for leadership, was empowered to do miraculous things like part the Jordan River, all these things. That's exactly right. And so the book of Judges opens Mm -hmm. the way the book of Joshua ends with a list of territories that have not yet been conquered yet. Oh, yeah. So right before, as Joshua's aging, he says, hey, here's all the counties and countries and territories that have not yet been conquered. Mm Mm-hmm. Go, knowing that the Holy Spirit will be with you, that God will be with you, that we are going to, that He will still fight by our side as we trust in Him. He will give us the land that He promised us. He will push out child sacrifice. He will push out immorality, and His kingdom will come. Okay, that's that, the way jo- Joshua ends. That's a really important thing to note. Yeah, because I don't think for the longest time I even read Judges as like a continuation of the conquest. Yeah, which was like there was still evil in the land that that. Uh, Israel was supposed to drive out militarily. Yes. Okay. And then you come to the book of Judges, and mm-hmm. it kind of repeats that story for you a little bit. And But you get some concerning news in verse 19. Whereas Joshua had been undefeated in all of his battles, we start hearing that the armies of Israel are trying to get defeated over and over again. Mm-hmm. And the Lord was with Judah, this is verse 19, and he took possession of the hill country, but he could not drive out the inhabitants of the plain because they had chariots of iron. Never before is somebody's technological advancement an obstacle to God because it doesn't really matter. They right. blew their trumpets and the walls came down. <laughs> like It's like technology wasn't an issue yep. because the Lord was fighting for them. Yep. The fact that a, an iron chariot can somehow overpower the Israelite army is a hint that something's going wrong in right. the nation of Israel. Yeah, and it, I mean, it just gets exacerbated throughout the rest of that chapter. Manasseh didn't drive everybody out. Mm-hmm. You know, like the Danites didn't drive everybody out. Zebulun didn't drive everybody out. Yes. Uh, it just, yeah, o- over and over again. And I think the big linchpin change that's happening is Joshua is dead. That's how the book opens, mm-hmm. right? Joshua dies. After that's the first the first words of the book. Yeah, after the after death of the death of, death of Joshua. Yeah. So you had the spirit empowered leader who was faithful to Yahweh, led his people with strength and courage. You know, to repeat Joshua one, is dead, and this leads to what looks like cracks in the surface. Yeah, and if you remember back to when Joshua was about to take his first battle, uh, the Battle of Jericho, uh-huh. he meets an angel of the Lord. Right. And there's this angel decked out ready for war. And Joshua and fear asks him, whose side are you on? Are you for us or are you for our enemies? <laughs> and the angel says, neither. Right. I serve the Lord. Mm. And so it's this kind of important moment in the book where you're like, well, whose side is Joshua on? Is he on the Lord's side or is he not on the Lord's side? And when he's on the Lord's side, the angel fights with him and all the enemies are defeated. 
So when you come to the opening chapters of Judges and you see Israel being defeated, you can now see the angel of the Lord is now fighting against Israel, or at least no longer fighting with Israel. Mm. So you're seeing like an undoing or the faith that Mark Joshua's leadership is now dissolving and that the 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 um the destruction that could go both ways for mm-hmm. the from the angel of the Lord is actually cutting both ways. Yes, some destructions happening over here in Canaan, but also destructions happening in Israel. Yeah. Um okay. Yeah. So, um what's at stake in the book like right now? I mean, not it's not just Israel flourishing as a geopolitical nation, right? What like what is at stake in this book? Why should we care when they fail and when they succeed and because if they're failing to drive out the inhabitants of the land mm-hmm. they're failing to bring the garden of eden back and to live in god's presence the whole point mm-hmm. of being in the land of canaan was to be with god in his presence in his garden kingdom forever we're trying to get back to the garden of eden and the way that they were supposed to do that was by obeying the lord by obeying his law and obeying his commandments. Adam and Eve did not obey God's law and they ate of the fruit. And they got kicked out of the land. they got kicked out of the land. (laughs) They have now been given new laws, said obey these laws, and now here's the land, go take it. And if you obey my law, you can be in the land, in my presence, of plenty. Milk and honey, flocks and sheep Mm. and abundance everywhere. It'll just be like the Garden of Eden. Obey my law, drive out the inhabitants of the land. And so what's at stake is being with God. That's a big well, one. Yeah, it's like so if they if they're not doing this, their relationship with God is on the line. Yeah. Humanity's ability to live with God and be with God is on the line. Because it's not just Israel's ability to live with God. Israel was supposed to set up this place as a light to the nations. That's exactly right. This is God's step 1 in his project with humanity to reconcile them to himself. Yeah. And so if Israel fails to create a locus for the presence of God among the nations, not only are they without hope, the nations, the world is without yeah. hope. Without without somebody conquering the enemies of God, mm. God's presence cannot be on the earth. Right? Like so if, yep. if and so nobody can experience God's presence. Mm-hmm. So if there isn't a destruction of the enemies of God, God's presence will not come. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what's at stake. Okay. So um, how, uh, like, so we see like cracks in the surface, right? Yes. Like that, okay, so it seems like some of these pockets that are around Israel still have the enemies of God in them. They weren't able to drive them out. Um, how does that progress into, like, into what becomes the famous cycle of yeah. the book of Judges? So what ends up happening is that instead of driving out the Canaanites, mm-hmm. Israel becomes just like the Canaanites. <laughs> so like yeah. that, the, 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 the through line, the most salient point, the most obvious point that the book of Judges makes is that Israel is no different than Canaan. Mm. And it happens slowly over the course of several, like 400 and something years, 490, 430 years. Um, Samuel talks about how long. It's oh, about, uh, yeah, anyway, right. over the course of 400 something years, Israel changes from a nation that fears Yahweh, where God fights on their side, into a nation that looks just like Canaan, and God's sword is drawn against them. Gotcha. But the so angel of yeah. the Lord no longer fights with them, mm-hmm. he fights against them. So there's heavy irony going on here, where the people they were supposed to 
uh, root out, they become. Yep. And the power by which they were going to drive them out drives them out. Yes. Okay. Yep. That makes sense. That's 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 the big meta picture of what's that's happening in the book big of Judges. Meta picture. And so that should also inform like our normal reading of all these heroes within the book of Judges. So there are some heroic things that happen mm-hmm. in the book of Judges. There are moments of faith in the book of Judges. So Gideon and Samson, like they have their moments, but they really only serve to highlight the fact that Israel is falling further and further into their own demise and mm-hmm. into the practices of the land. Even the leaders themselves like devolve into being no different than the people in the land of Canaan. Yeah. Like, so like I want to temper our like expectations for heroes in mm-hmm. the story because there's not really a ton of them in the, the classic sense like it's like vbs sense in the vbs sense like there's like this is not the place for vbs in a lot of ways (laughs) i like i was i I talk about like the breaking bad of the bible if you've seen breaking bad yeah (laughs) it's like there's like it's a a picture of a man like the the whole series is walter white becoming the drug the the kingpin going from like a really calm mild-mannered suburban chemistry teacher to being a kingpin in the meth world of new mexico and that's the story here (laughs) like you have just like this and so yeah there are moments of like oh he's he's a good man or he's a good husband but like all it's really doing is showing the destruction Mm -hmm. of that lifestyle and it's a downward spiral it's a downward spiral like that's the same kind of thing that's happening okay two things i want to highlight real quick before we wrap up this opening section one is um, who are the judges? Why is this book called Judges? How should we think about the judges as characters or as a title, as people, as leaders? And then what is this cycle, the okay. the like the pattern the book follows that we should be clued into? So first off, what are judges? What are, why judges? Yeah. What what's happening there? Yeah. So there's a phrase used throughout the book of Judges, which is something along the lines of "and God raised up a deliverer" mm-hmm. or "God raised up a judge." Mm-hmm. And what's are those fun, different words? It's so. So the word "judge" is a translation of a word that is used in the text. Shofat. Yes, and that's most basically um, deliverer. Or savior. Okay. So the more literal translation should be like the book of deliverers or the book of saviors. Uh, because of some weird translation stuff, it ended up being judge. Uh, so really, though, it's the book of deliverers. It's okay. the book of saviors. But I mean, it also like the shofats are also like like mentioned before in the law about the ones who deliberate. And we even see people like Samson and Deborah deliberating like making judgments for the people, settling yes. cases. Deborah is, in fact, the only person in the book of Judges that ever described as fulfilling a legal function. Hmm. So there is like some weirdness to the way the language works out where it's like, well, th- there is a legal function in the word judge. Mm-hmm. So Deborah does that. Right. People are bringing her cases and she's hearing them. But we actually don't really hear about a legal function when Ehud is slaughtering Eglon and he's not deliberating between cases. He's acting as a deliverer. He's a mm-hmm. savior for his people. So I think... Yeah, we also have minor judge characters who we don't hear about their military exploits. We just hear that they judged Israel for X number of years. Yeah, Are we supposed to assume that they were military-based deliverers or that they were just rightly dividing God's word and helping people live in accordance with God? Is it both? 
It could be both. Yeah. I think the, the the ones that are highlighted. So you so you have Deborah, mm-hmm. you have Ehud, you have Samson, you have Gideon. The they're ones military that military exploits. They're military exploits. Yeah. So like that's why a lot of like scholars will just call like it the Book of Deliverers, mm-hmm. the Book of Deliverers, and even within the Book of Judges itself, you have the first three chapters, which are kind of the introduction. Then you have chapter the end of chapter three to about chapter. Uh, 18 mm-hmm. as the book of deliverers, the, the, the success of deliverers who save Israel from enemy oppression. And then at the very end, you have this, the, the people themselves, not leaders kind of going. To pop. Okay. I mean, that makes sense. Um, they don't, they don't fit the normal way a, le- a judge as the law describes it would have mm-hmm. been selected. Yep. Th- those would have been clan based in the tribes. There've been multiples of mm-hmm. them. Uh, and there was like a court system, like a yes. hierarchical court system that was supposed to be appealed to. Right. But we don't really see them fulfilling that role. No. So it doesn't fit that. And then it also hot on the heels of Joshua and the need of the book is to continue driving out the inhabitants. Mm-hmm. It's no wonder that these deliverers are uh, saving Israel from the nations, driving out the nations. So when we think about them as a judge, if we want to use that word, mm-hmm. they are carrying out God's judgment on the nations too, right? Yes. So we, it's kind of hard to answer this question without also talking about the cycle. Uh, okay, keep, sure. Yeah, let's keep, confl- we, we keep, yeah, definitely. So what ends up happening, so the first chapter of the book of Judges essentially gives us the narrative up till now. Joshua's death mm-hmm. and a series of military defeats that kind of tell you something something's wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then chapter two bleeding into chapter three sets up a pattern the rest of the book of Judges will follow. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have Israel, the pattern begins with Israel's disobedience. Mm-hmm. They're going to do what's right in their own eyes, or they're going to do what's evil in the eyes of the Lord. And that's a really important phrase, so much so that Samson, the last judge, his eyes are cut out. <laughs> right. So it's like, there's a ton of irony in the book of Judges. So like, they're doing whatever's right in their own eyes. And the last judge has no eyes. And the last judge has no eyes. Yeah. He's blind. Um, so there's they're doing whatever's right in their own eyes. And so God punishes Israel mm-hmm. by sending an army to judge their um, disobedience and then being like the land of Canaan. So God is acting as the judge. God is acting as the judge. Okay. And then in the middle of that oppression by a na- another nation, whether that's the Philistines or the Amor- Ammonites or the Amorites, the people of Israel will cry out for mercy mm-hmm. and then God will raise up a judge. He'll raise up a deliverer who will banish the people and provide a season of peace. Mm-hmm. And that pattern is of disobedience, um, punishment, punishment, plea for mercy, deliverance, deliverance, peace, peace is repeated over and over throughout the book of judges, Mm -hmm. except when it's not. And that's really important. Yes. But that's the basic paradigm that you're supposed to clue in on. And that's the, that's the paradigm. And so what happened? So the book, the term judge in one sense refers to that judge that God raises up to judge Israel. That's the phrase to judge Israel. Oh, right. Yes. Yes. But, in a lot of ways, it does two things. It judges the enemies of Israel, but at the same time, it acts as a rebuke to Israel at the same time. Because of the kind of judges they're getting? Because of the kind <laughs> of judges that they're getting. And there's the fact that God's judging Israel by sending other enemies. So it's like the right. book of Judges makes sense because there's a lot of judgment going there's on. There's a lot of judgment. God's judgment of Israel, Israel's judgment against the enemies, and even the leaders as judgments and rebukes of Israel itself. Mm-hmm. So there's like there's layers to the judges. And so we should name it at this point then. So what is a judge? Actually, the judge of Israel, of the book of Judges, is God. Yeah. There's only one time that the person, the judge, a judge, is ever called a judge, 
and it's God. It's Yahweh. Yep. Every other time we're told someone judges, verb form, mm-hmm. judges Israel. Gideon judged Israel. Deborah judged Israel. Samson judged Israel. But only one time are we told that there's an actual judge as a character. Yes. And that character is God. Yeah. Uh, chapter 11, verse 27. It's the end of Jephthah's letter to Amon, the king, which is a whole story we'll get into later. But he says, I have not wronged you, but you uh, have wronged me by waging war against me, blah, 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 blah. There's this whole political dispute happening. Mm-hmm. And he says this, let Yahweh, the judge, decide the dispute this day between the Israelites and the Ammonites. And what's really funny about that, which we'll get to, is that he, I don't think he even believes what he's saying. <laughs> like, he's saying, yeah, God's the judge, so let him, like, he's, he's, adjudicate he, for me. But he's just making, he's just using... God is a political pawn. Yep. Yep. It's, it's, yep. it's gross. That, anyway. That is gross. Um, I've never seen a politician do that, though. Oh, yeah. No, but no politician <laughs> uses the name of God to gather voters. That's ridiculous. <laughs> How dare you even, <laughs> even assert? I don't know what world you live in, David, <laughs> but we live in America. And that never happens. Whoops. Anyway, sorry, we got on. That's the book of Judges. <laughs> That's it the bring, book of Judges. It brings it out in us. Um, okay. Yes. So that answer your question about who, what is the judge, who are the judges, and what is the cycle? Yes. I think, and from an overview standpoint, that's about as much as we can say, um, obviously all of these things will become highlighted and put in sharp relief as we mm-hmm. dig into each of these characters throughout the podcast. Yeah. Um, let me end this section by just reading Judges 2, 16 to 19. Okay. Because this is just straight from the Bible. And it just proves that the cycle, this is the cycle that takes place again and again and again throughout Judges. Then the Lord raised up judges. They were just in distress, if you wanted to know. Then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hands of these raiders. Yet they would not listen to their judges, but prostituted themselves to other gods and worshipped them. They quickly turned from the ways of their ancestors and uh, who had been obedient to the Lord's commands. Whenever Yahweh raised up a judge for them, he was the judge and saved them out of the hands of their enemies as as long as the judge lived, which I think I want to talk about later, for the Lord relented because of their groaning under uh, those who oppressed and afflicted them. So there's the cry for deliverance. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when that judge died, yet again, the people returned to the ways uh, even more corrupt than those of their ancestors. So it's a downward spiral. It's not yeah, only so a it's cycle. Not just it's just a pattern. Yeah, it's getting worse and worse and worse mm-hmm. as it goes on. Um, and they would follow the other gods and worship these other gods, and they refused to give up their evil practices and their stubborn ways. Yeah. So like even in this synopsis, it's repeated like three times. Yeah. So it's it's a cycle of disobedience and deliverance, but every cycle is a copy of a copy. It's just getting worse. Yes. That's yeah. a, that's exactly right. And then we should probably talk about the purpose of the cycle and oh, the yes. purpose of the judgment, which is just after that in verse 22. And God did all this in order to test Israel by the nations that remained. Yes. Uh, whether or not they will take care to walk in the ways of the Lord as their father did uh, or not. Yep. <laughs> um, this is like the thesis statement of the book. It's like, let's do a, a living experiment with Israel. Will they obey the Lord? Uh, like, and like, we won't really know that if there right. weren't obstacles in the way yeah so god leaves well it's not even an experiment it's what we set up in the beginning oh totally yeah yeah, yeah. it's like that has connotations i didn't mean it, well, yeah. but i mean it's just like it's the truth yes will we obey the lord right will we enter into his presence yeah will we say no to mm-hmm. the gods of the land 
will we say yes to God alone? Will we eat of the tree of knowledge or will we obey God and be given the tree of life? And just like in the Garden of Eden, just like Joshua and his, his time with the angel of the Lord just now, it's like the same test is being presented to us over and over and over again. Will we obey the Lord? Yeah. And then when we see um, persecution come, when we see enemies surround us, when we see as if the promises of God aren't working out for us, what we're going to be tempted to do well, is abandon our trust in God. Well, obviously, mm-hmm. obeying God doesn't work because look at all these enemies around right. us. And, and we just adopt the cultural idols to, to cope. But actually, that's that's the test. Yeah. When it, does, when it looks like everything is against God's people, mm-hmm. that's your turn to say, no, I will trust in God alone. Mm. That's actually a really hard test to pass. Yeah. Like, like if, if it looks like God is punishing us, why should we trust him? Like that's like, mm. there's like, that's like the skeptical bent on the question, but it's also why it's really hard. Though he slay me, yet I hope in him. <laughs> yes. What, what is that from? Is that Job? Is that from Job? I think so. I yeah. Think, oh, that's that's my mom's favorite verse. <laughs> Though he slay me, I yep. will hope in him. Yep. Yeah. That's kind of like the test. Mm-hmm. Will we trust in God even when he's judging us for our disobedience? Yeah, which Jesus does perfectly. Yeah, he was being judged on our behalf, and yet he trusted the Lord. Into your hands I commit my spirit, even unto death. He passed the test. He passed the test on a tree, <laughs> on a tree, which is why we can have access into God's presence. Like, yes. why? Why does the book the test work? Because Jesus passed it. Yes. Like the the same story is being repeated, and it ends in Christ. Mm-hmm. And when Jesus passed the test, we get God's presence with Him. Our enemies die and they can no longer actually hurt us anymore the enemies of death doesn't work no nope. because we'll live forever sin can no longer condemn us before god because jesus paid for our sins on the cross and we no longer have to feel guilty for the things that we've done those two big enemies are taken care of and then because jesus sits on his throne above all principalities and powers there actually is not a kingdom in the world a president or emperor or dictator that actually controls our destiny mm-hmm. god does Okay, so I have already written all the devotionals for this, and you have read the book of (laughs) Judges, but haven't got to do as much study as I have. So as you read through the book of Judges, Mm -hmm. what are the questions that you had left over that you think will would benefit you personally, but also our listeners before they even get to the book of Judges. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, one thing uh, that I kind of coming to the end of the book, there seems to be like, at the so if this is a downward spiral, which it definitely mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. as we get to the bottom of the barrel, um, a new repeated refrain comes up and it's that there's no king in Israel. And that seems extremely significant yeah. Yeah, because no it's king repeated. in Israel, everyone did was right in their own eyes. That's the other thing. So those are yeah. two things that I have on my list that I want to talk about a little bit more. Okay. Is so which one do you want to do first? Well, let's let's just compare those phrases oh, to what okay. happens earlier. So in most of the book of Judges, it, the phrase is, and they did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Hmm. So it's almost it's, they did what was evil in the sight of the Lord versus um, they did what was right in their own eyes. Mm. So the reference to God is no longer... Yeah, so it's the difference between evil and right, mm-hmm. and it's the difference between themselves and God. Yes. And so so th- I think that's just really important to name. Yeah. And there's a transition that happens between those two phrases. Whenever the phrase is, the people did what was... Uh, uh, 
what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Mm-hmm. There's always a leader and a deliverer that is raised up oh, right. to rescue them. It's like the thing that always comes right after that statement yes. is the deliverer. Yeah, there's an oppress- oppressor comes and oppresses Israel, and then a deliverer comes to rescue them, mm-hmm. not just from the deliverer, but from their past sins and mm-hmm. doing what was evil in the sight of the Lord. In that last section of the book of Judges, from chapter 19 to 21, no new deliverers are brought up. There's no new judge after Samson, right? There's no new judge after Samson. Okay. Um, and instead, it's there was no king in Israel. Mm-hmm. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. So based on that, what do you, what, what do you yeah, think? Yeah, so I mean, well, first off, I mean, I'm, I'm like... Doing right, doing what is right in your own eyes, and and especially in the middle of a book where we're supposed to be ex- like expecting to see the Garden of Eden come back, mm-hmm. like we're trying yeah. to root out evil and reestablish a place where God and man can live together, the Garden <laughs> of Eden. Yeah, doing what is right in your own eyes sounds like the same thing that Eve and Adam did at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They saw the fruit, and yeah, it seemed good to them, right, and they took it. It wasn't what was. What God told them to do was, mm-hmm. but they thought it was right in their own eyes, and so yeah. they did it. And so it seems to be they're repeating the sins of their of their forefathers. Yeah. Um, and then, so that kind of looks backwards, mm-hmm. you know, um, and then very grimly forward. <laughs> um, but then there was no king in Israel seems to be uh, pointing towards something, because it's like, yeah. when did we start talking about kings? We were talking about judges. Yeah. Uh, why are we talking about kings now? And like... I didn't even know we were supposed to have a king. Like, what's going on with that? Yes. Well, one way to read it is it's just a synonym for judge. Like, oh, okay. There's, there's no leader in Israel, uh-huh. and things are getting worse. Yeah. And in narratively, that kind of makes sense. There was a period of judges, or period of deliverers, period of saviors. In the last four chapters, there's no deliverer. There was no king mm-hmm. in Israel. And you could read forward into that saying the author of the book of Judges lived during the time of the kings Mm -hmm. and was saying, see what happens when you have no king and no good leader? Everything is terrible. That's one way to read it. Yeah, I mean, especially Uh, if it seems like the book is setting up a paradigm for you need a spirit-filled leader to save you. And as long as they're alive and interceding for you, things are good. But when they die, it gets bad. bad. The only problem with saying, well... the book of Judges is helping us look forward to a better king in mm-hmm. David or right. Saul or whoever. Is that, well, one, within the book of Judges itself, they take a dim view of kingship. There's this whole extended parable by a prophet named Jotham who basically says, are you sure you want a king? When you have a king, he's going to rule over you and he's going to make things bad for you. Followed by the fact that we kind of see disobedience. Wanting a king in First Samuel yep. is seen as disobedience. Right. In addition to the fact that when you read First and Second Kings, most of the kings do what's right in their own eyes. Is, and it's repeated there. It's the same phrase yep. is repeated, and they do the same thing. So it's like it can't just be hope in another king or like a defending defending the monarchy. I think something else is going on okay. besides that. Does that make sense? It does. I mean, I think that... Um just I think that a hope in a spirit-filled leader who saves us from evil, mm-hmm. who lives among us and rules us and brings peace to the kingdom could is still a valid hope of the book of Judges. It is. Regardless of if it's met or not by the monarchy of Israel yes. that follows. So I, I don't think those are in competition. They're not in competition okay. with each other. But I think, so I think the way that you're supposed to read the phrase, there is no king in Israel, is that God is no longer king in Israel. Like, God is not the king. Okay, that's like, harsh. It is it is harsh, but it's... So what happens after um, Samson is... And well, through the Samson narrative is God's not really ever mentioned. 
there's like this silence of God that pervades the last half of the book of Joshua, uh, Judges, where um, except for some brief moments where the Holy Spirit seems to descend on Samson to like empower his revenge, God is not anointing any kings anymore. He, or not, not anointing or calling or raising up any deliverers anymore. Mm. He's like oddly silent. And I think it's supposed to prove to the fact that God has lifted his hands off the nation of Israel and he's allowing their, what's right in their own eyes to rule them. Mm. And so the fact that you have, what this is the increasing canonization of Israel. <laughs> yeah. What is, the, what is the ultimate religion of Canaan? I do what I want. I do whatever's mm. right in my own eyes. Yeah, definitely. Who is God? God is me. Mm. And so like that, I think, kind of personifies in a really real way what's happening. Like there is no king in Israel and God has given Israel over to its own desires, which is what Romans 1 says is what happens in the wrath of God and the judgment of God against sin. He hands us to our own desires. Yeah. And what happens when we become king? Nothing good. <laughs> Nothing good. <laughs> Nothing good. I think, I think the biblical evidence corroborates your thesis a bit um, because right after um, you know if you're going chronologically mm-hmm. uh, we, we obviously have canonically of Ruth next during the time of the judges yep. right uh, but she doesn't really speak to the leadership or what's going on or anything like that but in first Samuel which would chronologically follow yep. the next step in Israel's history first um, Samuel 3 the beginning of the book, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. It seemed like the king mm-hmm. had withdrawn. Yep. So I'm just like, yep. That's ex- I, I think yes. that's right. And yeah. now it's like, but with, but then Samuel comes in and he's filled with the spirit and he's like another deliverer finally. Yes. And then that leads to the monarchy mm-hmm. with Saul and then obviously, king. you know, ultimately King David. Yeah. Um, I follow that. Yeah. I follow that. So it, we're supposed to, but we're, you're we are su- supposed to long for a king. You're supposed to long for a king, uh-huh. but I also think it's implicit within the book of Judges that that king cannot be human, that that king must be God. Just because they're always, they always have a flaw? It's They always have a flaw. Or they don't do the job perfectly? They don't do the job perfectly, and the judges... Um, yeah, and I think just... Oh, <laughs> I, I know why it can't be human. The problem in the book of Judges is no matter how good the judge, they all die. And they all die. They all yeah. die. And that's when things go bad. Right. Is they so, die. So I think what you're hoping, it's like, so like, but that phrase makes me want to hope for like a spirit-filled man yeah. to lead God's people. Exactly right. Yeah, yes. But that spirit-filled man also has to be God uh-huh. in order to lead the people in such a way to solve the initial problem. And if the initial problem is if you can't remain holy and following God's commands until after the person dies, you actually need a leader to lead beyond death so that our obedience never ends. Yes. Maybe say that one more time back because I'm afraid that I said that confusingly. Oh, it's so good. Um, So yes, I'll I'll say, I'll say it back. Um, So if the, if one of the key problems with uh, human judges Mm -hmm. is that no matter how good they are and none of them are very good, uh, they die, mm-hmm. and then we're left again needing another king. The yeah. the lineage ends. Yeah, we need a. a and, oh, before you keep yeah. going, in that moment, what are we told over and over again? Like while the judge reigns, there is a period of obedience in Israel. Yes, there's a fidelity to Yahweh and His commands and rule following during their life. During their life, but once the ruler dies, yes. that obedience 
collapses and disobedience comes back. Exactly right. And so we need a king who is more than man, who can lead beyond their their finite humanity Mm -hmm. by leading eternally, but still among us. That's the problem. Right. Because the judge, the only person in, in Israel who's called the judge in this book is Yahweh. But the problem is he's not really living with the people. That's the whole thing they're trying to do in this project of the conquest. And so how do we have a physical boots on the ground, capital J judge who's fulfilling this role perfectly and yet who's not going to just die and leave us and we're going to fall back into our own sins and do what's right in our own eyes again? Yeah. I don't know what the answer is. Oh, wait. Yes, I do. Oh, wait a second. <laughs> yeah. I, the book of Judges helped. It makes us hope for Jesus. It, yeah, big time. It makes us hope for a leader who will be filled with the Spirit, mm-hmm. who leads his people, not simply to obey like him for his lifespan, but to fill the people themselves with the same Spirit he's filled with so that they can obey for eternity. Yes. Like what are we, like one of the, the promises of the new creation is that there will be no sin anymore. Yeah. Like we will no longer want wrong things. Mm-hmm. We will no longer do well, uh, what uh, it's like we won't we will no longer do what's right evil in the Lord's eyes mm-hmm. because everything that seems right to our eyes will be right to God's eyes. Yes, because we'll be given new eyes. We'll be given new eyes and new yeah. hearts and new ears and we will obey because we're following in the footsteps of a new leadership. Yes. And that and that's happening now. I think like mm-hmm. uh so like one of the hopes I think that Judges extends to us today is that um, like we were we were dependent upon this one spirit filled leader mm-hmm. to to like be like to fulfill the role of Yahweh among us and our righteousness was tied up in His. Yeah. But the good news about Jesus is He's the spirit filled leader in whom our righteousness is tied up, who also then gives us that same Holy Spirit that empowered the judges. Yeah. He's now given to every single believer to then as long as they live to be sustained, uh, to be sanctified, to persevere, and yeah. to, like, uh, into eternity. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's just such good news right. that, like, the, the thing that was only happening once in a while to one person is now happening eternally for all believers. Yes. Like, the yeah. nation of the church is a nation of spirit-filled people able to follow God and root out evil in the world. That's, like that's good. Uh, Jesus, I say is Jesus breaks the cycle. Yes. If this, if the cycle of judges is a downward spiral of disobedience followed by punishment, followed by mercy. Yes. Followed by more disobedience, yeah. followed by more punishment, followed by more mercy. Mm-hmm. Like that's the downward sp- spiral. Jesus ends the downward spiral. Mm-hmm. He comes in with a final act of mercy that kind of shatters this shatters it mm-hmm. and he also comes in with a final act of judgment and shatters it yep there's one moment of judgment and mercy on the cross yes that undoes the endless cycle of always getting worse and becoming more and more like the world yes provided we enter into his kingdom that's right provided he is our king mm-hmm. otherwise we'll look just like the rest of the world yeah and the reason why he breaks the cycle is yes, absolutely, because the judgment of the judges came against the judge instead of us, mm-hmm. you know, and then he fills us with the spirit of the judges to actually live in accordance with Yahweh ourselves, but also because at that judge's death, he he raised. Yeah. He didn't stay he didn't dead. <laughs> he didn't die. And so Jesus is the judge, the deliverer, the king who rules forever. Yeah. 
so that we can be a kingdom of obedience and think, well, even forever. Think, yeah, and think even about death as a territory. So yes, like, there was this po- there's a pocket of the ju- occupied territory still in the world that yeah, Jesus the, had to conquer. Judges, every new judge delivered Israel from the oppressors and then also took land back. Mm-hmm. Jesus delivers us from the oppressor and then he extends the kingdom that we can live in beyond this life through the and grave into the next yes like he's taking new territory yes. for those who trust in his kingship the enemy's last bastion that was guarded by more than fortified walls and iron chariots and whatever other technological yeah. advances of the canaanite military like was the grave no one could beat it yeah. <laughs> and jesus like the ultimate judge did more than samson when he had super long hair like yeah. he went in like a strong man and broke the bonds of death mm-hmm. like that's amazing. Yeah. I love that. Wow. Okay. Uh, that was my no king in Israel. That was yeah. right, <laughs> right in their own eyes question. So again, I just want to yep. double down here. So I think the phrase, there's no king in Israel, is really hard to understand without Jesus. Oh, yes. I think like it's easy to understand the book of Judges as like a polemic or as an argument for why Israel needs a king. Mm-hmm. But I just think that's a deficient view of, well, the, the evidence the book of Judges gives us, the book of Kings gives us, and the Bible gives us. If the king's another human, it's not going to work. Right. I don't think the, the king is God. Yes. And God becomes man. Yes. And I think it's continuing the Bible's job of passing the ball forward from the promise um, of Genesis 3.15, that God would like send yep. a snake crusher mm-hmm. to, to finally judge sin and death, mm-hmm. right? And we were told it would be through Eve's line. So all through Genesis, we're following a genealogy, and we're like, oh, there's the chosen line, there's the chosen line, and now yeah. it's a people. Okay, it's the chosen people. Mm-hmm. Okay, now there's going to be a chosen king and deliverer. Okay, and then it's like, well, there's no king. Okay, so let's go to the kings and yeah. let's find it there. Oh, they all suck too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe there'll be a prophet that raises up and fix. Oh, no, they didn't. Yeah. No one listened. And we're just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And Jesus comes and the wait is over. Okay, so my list of questions after reading the book of Judges continues. <laughs> Continue. Then. Um, so there, one one thing there's this there's this line here. Let me let me pull it up real quick. Uh, Judges ten sixteen. Judges ten sixteen. Um, the people are again being given over to the nations. It's all terrible. They're being oppressed, um, and the Israelites repent. They they find this place of utter desperation and they cry out for deliverance. And they, they, they admit it. They say, we have sinned. So Yahweh, do with us whatever you think is best, but please rescue us now. And then we hear that they got rid of their foreign gods, which they were supposed to do, and they served Yahweh. And then I heard this thing about God, and it says, and he could not bear Israel's misery any longer. Yeah. Like, God had so much compassion on Israel that no matter what they did, again and again and again, until the very end of Judges, but he brings another deliverer back in Samuel, like, and all throughout all the Old Testament, we just see the long-suffering and mercy of God, where even though we spit in his face, worship false gods, deny him, yeah, he cannot bear our misery. It's good news. It's such good news that we have such a good God. But I don't know if that's what that's supposed to tell us. Oh, no! I know. Oh. Well, okay, yeah. because... 
in this story, uh-huh. right after this is the first time, one of the first times God breaks his cycle. Oh right, of not raising up another deliverer because it's Jeph the next, isn't it's it? It's Jeph the next. Dang it! So so the so they put away their foreign gods from among them, and they served the Lord, and God became impatient over the misery of Israel, so much so that he did not raise up a deliverer. Oh, so this is um, this is pulling on language from Genesis six and the flood. Yes. How much longer must I bear with? Yes. I can't put up. I can't be miserable with yeah. you. Commiserate. With, yeah. So like. Oh this, no. So this is this is the opposite of what you wanted to say. Okay. But it's not. Yeah. It's my my point is still valid because God continually shows mercy throughout the book. Yes. But what I don't if, get this sweet little verse. You don't get this sweet little verse because it's like Israel's repenting. Mm-hmm but it's superficial. Yeah. And then God knows that. So he fails to send to, it's not a, a legitimate cry for mercy. Right. So God does not send a deliverer. So, but your point does still stand mm-hmm. because as, because this is a really dark point in Israel's history. Yeah. Israel repents and God says, I don't believe you. Oof. It's so it's like, it's a real, it's Oof. like, and he refuses to save them from their idolatry. Right. And so it's this really dark moment. Like God's judgment is getting harsher and more, it's, it's leading them into increasing darkness yeah. and hopelessness and misery. But even then, God still provides glimpses of mercy. Yeah, Jephthah is successful in battle. Yes, he like he, there are enemies he defeats. Yeah. God still comes in right. and still does stuff for Israel. Right. So what your point is legitimate. Yeah. Because as the darkness of judges gets darker the light of God's mercy gets brighter. Right, by comparison. By comparison. Because if it's that dark that God would say, I'm not going to rescue you anymore. I don't believe your repentance. I don't believe your repentance. And then yet he still rescues after 400 years of the same thing. It only highlights the fact that God will not abandon his people. Right. I mean, it's uh, that's that's present in the story of Samson. Mm -hmm. At the very end of his life, he has thrown away everything that God gave him. He's yeah. he has done a terrible job finishing up his time as a judge. He has been given over to the Canaanites. He's had his hair chopped off, his eyes gouged out. Now he's playing a court jester in the in the court of the Canaanites, and he prays. He said, "God, one last time, yeah, let me give me my strength back." Yeah, and God does. He's he does. merciful. He's merciful to give him his strength, even as he's judging both Samson and the Philistines. Yes, he judges himself in that moment. Yeah, yeah, uh, yes. So, like God's mercy. Yeah, the darker the book of Judges gets, the mm-hmm. brighter God's mercy should also get. Yes. So that's like something to keep in mind as you read Judges and get lost in just the depravity of it all. Yeah. Anytime you see God break through, be like, man, he's kind. He's so kind. <laughs> so, what I wanted to talk about mm-hmm. alongside with this fact that God continues to deliver, mm-hmm. continues to provide, is he does, maybe not in this instance, yeah. but he does respond to cries for deliverance over and over and over mm-hmm. again. Yeah, and he will in Saul. So we should, yes. we have already named it once, but like the end of the judge's narrative actually ends with the judge, uh, not Saul, the Samuel. Samuel. Judge Samuel, which comes in the book of First Samuel. Mm-hmm. And he's a godly man who's filled with the spirit, who actually does not what any of these guys do, mm-hmm. but like does what Joshua is supposed to do. Yeah. Like he's a good man and God sends him after the depravity of like mutilating a concubine mm-hmm. and like doing all the crazy stuff that happens yeah. at the end of the book of Judges. God's still merciful. Yes. Yeah. And so I, I'm just amazed at um, God's willingness to respond to a depraved person's cry for help. Like who just doesn't deserve it. 
Yeah. Like there's, there's no moral value to a cry for help. Like mm-hmm. the only thing that is good in it is that you realize you need help. Yeah. But, but that's not necessarily a morally deserting thing. Right. And so I just, I love that picture yeah. of God as he who responds to the cries of those who don't deserve response because it is such a great picture. Yeah. I just see myself in the book of Judges because like map your own story onto this book if you want to and see, don't you do these things too? Don't yeah. you have cycles of sinful dependence where you spiral out of control and then, oh, no, you pick yourself back up and you feel like you are yeah. empowered by the spirit to stop sinning and you root out some sin in your life only to lose ground and fall into yeah. a worse place. Or like even the way that the Lord empowered you ends up being the way that you fall for a new time. It's like yeah. God gives you like a whole bunch of leadership ability and you get a position of leadership and it's awesome. And then you get fired. Yes. Like, right. Yeah. And so I'm just amazed at God knows my heart and has been with me through so many sins and so many failings and so much pride and, you know, and yet the fact that when I called out to him and said, save me, like I put my faith in my final deliverer, Jesus, he listened yeah, and actually said, okay, yeah, like I will judge him instead of you. Yeah. Like that is just such a kindness. And I just think, seeing the mercy of God shine through the darkness of judges builds my faith in that when I called out to Jesus for help, he said, yes, Uh, it just builds my faith. It's good. And I think that also cuts not just for us as individuals, but for us as like members of corporate bodies. Um, So it's like, we're not just individuals in who are acting with God one-on-one. We also exist in churches and in institutions and in businesses and places mm-hmm. who are led by godly or not so godly leaders. Right. And so one of the other things that I've been meditating on throughout this whole thing is just the number of church leaders who have fallen, Yeah. who seem to be doing good things from God, who seem to be filled with the spirit. Thousands of people are coming to faith in Jesus. And I'm sure we have listeners who like had were radically transformed by the ministry of someone only for them to sleep with their secretary or to say that they don't believe in God anymore and it was all fake and that they were deceived for their whole childhood and their whole adult life. They didn't believe a word that they said to you. And you're in that moment saying, well, what, what does that matter for me? Like, is my faith invalidated? Does God care about me anymore? Was all that fake? Does God even care anymore? The book of Judges is also for you, mm-hmm. not just for people as individuals, but for people as individuals under poor leadership yeah. or failed leadership yeah. or leadership that... People have been involved in corporate failure. Yeah. yeah. And the good news for people who are watching leaders fall mm. and wondering if everything they've experienced is false or wrong or an excuse to just do whatever you want. Because I think we see a lot of that. Like It's like, because of the harm in the church, because of the hypocrisy of the church, because of the sex scandals mm-hmm. within the church, that justifies us leaving the church. Right. It proves the well is poisoned. It proves God's not on our side. It proves maybe God doesn't exist. Like that's the yes. That's the pool, and that's the pool of the book of Judges. Right. These leaders fail, and what does Israel do? God must not exist. Right. But that's the test. Mm. That's the test. Is God still in control? when a lot of our leaders 
or ha- have sex scandals. Yeah. Is God still in control when our leaders are committing suicide? Is God still king? Is he still king? Yeah. And the test is saying yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the good news for us who are trapped in that cycle is that unlike Israel, who couldn't see past the next leader, right? we can always look back to one. Yes. We can always look back to a king who said no to his own desires, who didn't count ambition or sexuality as something to be grasped, who said no to all those things, mm-hmm. who died at the will of his father God, mm-hmm. obedient to his commands, and now rules in power forever. Right. We have a king regardless of our kings fail. That's right. Regardless of our pastors fail, our favorite authors failings, anything. We have a king who never fails, mm-hmm. who never sins, who never disappoints, who never breaks his promise, yeah. who never falls from power, who never yeah. fails to be perfectly operating in yeah. the power of God. <laughs> so for those of you who are like wondering, well, is all the abuse in the church, is all the misogyny in the church reasons to abandon it? Are the book of Judges, and mm-hmm. I think our challenge would be to use like, do not judge the leadership of God by its leaders. Yep. Judge the leadership of God by Jesus Christ. Yes. And when you see that, trust in that. Mm-hmm. Believe in that kingship. Yes. Because that's what you see in, in Judges. Mm-hmm. What you see in Judges is God acting correctly and mm-hmm. rightly. You see him when evil crops up, God judges it. That's what we want our leaders to do. Yeah. And whenever and whenever people we, are beyond and when people yes. are beyond saving, he is gracious. Yeah. Like so we see him being gracious whenever we want him to be, and we see him judging evil whenever we would cry out for justice. Mm-hmm. And like so like don't don't only look to the failures of the earthly judges, look to the success of the only person in the book who's named judge. Mm-hmm. He judges Israel and the nations rightly. Yeah. And so he's doing it today in the person of Jesus who's reigning on a throne forever. And he will come. A day has been appointed in Jesus when he will judge the world. Yeah. Like there is a judge coming too. Like it's just, and it's good. It's very, very good. Um, what you just said, I think is really good. And it makes me think of one last paradigm that I think the book of Judges as a whole helps us set up. And that is that in, in a sense, we we still, I think, I think the, the land of Canaan, the conquest uh, in Joshua, the failures of judges is meant to build our spiritual imagination for the world that we live in now in, in, in what mm-hmm. theologians call the already and the not yet. That we, yes, we are already in the kingdom of God, but we're not yet in it fully because there are still huge pockets of enemy, mm-hmm. enemy territory yeah. all around us. This, the cycle isn't broken everywhere yet. That's right. It's meant yeah. to be broken in us mm-hmm. and we're meant to be spirit filled deliverers mm-hmm. taking good news to the world. Yep. We're meant to take back enemy enemy territory we, here. Yeah, the way that Jesus broke the cycle for us, we're meant to walk into other people's cycle of depravity yes. and break it for them. By our own sacrifice, we show them the sacrifice of Christ and bring them out of their slavery to becoming just like the world around them. That's right. And so that's a beautiful picture of like, view yourself as one of the judges, like, because mm-hmm. you've been filled with the spirit and given the same responsibility. So do it. The other thing that I think is helpful for our spiritual imagination is, um, is just with like, kind of like the problem of evil, you know, or like the problem or the fears of spiritual warfare, or like, why does God let Satan continue to prowl like a roaring lion? You know, like, yeah. why do we live in a world that has evil in it still? And I think it goes back to what we said at the beginning, which is the thesis statement for the book of 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 judges which is like this is a test mm-hmm. to see whether or not we will keep the ways of the lord 
Mm-hmm. So like, why is there still a tempter? You know, like why, mm-hmm. why is there still evil institutions? Why is Canaan still here? It's because God wants to see if in the face of those things that we will remain faithful to him. Mm-hmm. It's a test. We're still in the garden yeah. of Eden in a sense. Yeah. There's still two trees yeah. for us to choose from. It's like what it's like. And because of Jesus, it's easier to pass the test because he's in us. He's in us. <laughs> or even like for the non-believer, it's easier. Oh yeah. Because we, we've seen someone do it. We've seen someone do it. We don't measure God's compassion. Uh, we measure God's compassion by the cross yes. and his power by the resurrection, not by what we see around us. Mm-hmm. And that's better. It <laughs> it's better. just good. Yeah. It's good. Well, anything else? Was, that's it. Okay. I'm good. We're I'm, good. I'm excited to go through the rest of this book. I really It's a am. fun book. And we didn't even talk about this, but like, it's one of the most ironic books I've read in scripture. Yeah. There's like, not just irony, but like parody and satire. And satire. Yeah. It's like God or the author is like making fun of Israel and yep. their stupidity. Which that'll get highlighted as we dive yeah. into specific stories. Yeah, so that'll be exci- really good. I'm just excited for that. Well, awesome. Guys, thank you for listening so much. Uh, we hope this has been encouraging and helpful for you. It's definitely been helpful for me. So we, uh, we will see you next week. And uh, man, go read Judges. Have fun with that. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel is a nonprofit that gives all its resources like this podcast away for free because of supporters like you. To help Spoken Gospel in our mission to speak the gospel out of every corner of scripture and view all our free resources, visit SpokenGospel.com.